0: Hello, my friend, and welcome to this podcast through a trauma-informed lens, soma, psyche, and soul. My name is Aneta Itchak, and I'm your host here. This podcast is for you if you're a heart-centered practitioner who works or wants to work with clients in a more trauma-informed and somatic way. You might be a coach, a yoga teacher or therapist, a healer, holistic wellness practitioner, or a body worker. I welcome you here. In this podcast, we are going to explore how we can connect with and support others from a more compassionate and embodied space, and in a way that includes the wholeness of our and our clients' felt experience, in a way that includes our soma, psyche and soul. I will be sharing with you somatic practices and tools that I teach in our Trauma-Informed Somatic Teacher and Coach Training Certifications. And I will be speaking with other practitioners who, like me, are on a mission to create safer spaces and make a real positive impact within their communities and the world. I hope you will join me in this conversation and welcome again. (music) Hello everyone. Today I have a pleasure of speaking with another wonderful practitioner and today it's Isabel Griffiths who is a somatic coach who specializes in emotional resilience and embodied feminine leadership. Hello Isabel.
1: Mm -hmm. Hi Aneta, thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure.
0: (laughs) Thank you for taking time to for this conversation i mean we've had conversations before and every time Mm. i absolutely love chatting with you Um, so thank you for being here
1: and i was gonna say it's a pleasure and also i'm really conscious of the fact that we met you know, a few years ago, talking about your vision for this podcast. So it feels quite special to be here and almost like a full circle moment, you know, Um, as I'm a big fan of your work, as you know, so um, I'm really excited to be here. Really excited.
0: Uh, Thank you. Thank you. That's very true. (laughs) Yes. We actually had a first call because somebody connected us because you were running a podcast and I wanted to (laughs) I think that was like four years ago wasn't it
1: (laughs) yeah it was a while ago a while ago probably four years Yeah.
0: yeah yeah so thank you so much for being here and I you know I'd love you um I'd love to start really asking you you know how did you end up doing this kind of work how did you end up working as a somatic coach specializing in emotional resilience and embodied feminine leadership
1: Mm. yeah it's a good question and um like probably most practitioners it's um i guess it's a bit of a story of undoing within myself um, that led me to this work like many of us i think so um Before I came to this work, I spent over 20 years in the corporate world, um, different roles, different companies managing, you know, at the end, quite large teams across continents, early morning calls with Southeast Asia, late calls with the U.S. I had two young children at the time, and um, I can't tell you how many times I was driven to the station in the morning by my husband in tears. Really experiencing that push and pull and the inner conflict of wanting, you know, to pursue the career that I'd been building for so long, but also this real yearning to spend more time with my children. And I just couldn't reconcile them both. And most of the time I felt like I was drowning. Um, And so that lasted for quite a few years. You know, again, my body was, you know, showing signs and saying, you're exhausted. You cry when you dropped off at the station in the morning. You have that inner conflict all the time. There's a real dissonance. This isn't right. But I couldn't see any other possibility. And then eventually my body shut down and I had a severe burnout. So I now have the vocabulary to say that it was a burnout. But at the time, I really didn't know what was going on. I had no idea. And it was quite terrifying because... My whole life came crashing down. My sense of self just shattered in a million pieces. I had no idea who I was. And I was lost and numb and confused. And it felt like my mind was a really hostile place. Like I was at war with myself. That really harsh a critical voice was so active. And so being with myself felt really difficult. And at the time, the only moments that I felt a bit of ease where when I was on my yoga mat I was attending a yoga class I'd been doing yoga for quite a few years by then but in that period in, in that season of my life that was my everything it was like the raft at sea that I could hang on to because only in those moments when I was on my mat and moving my body could I feel a sense of it's okay to be me um, and you know, for for a lot of people, that's maybe how they live their life. But for me, at the time, it was just that moment in my week, and um, you know, and I know, having studied somatics and nervous system regulation, and you know, embodiment and all of these things, that I was in a dissociated state. I was in a functional freeze for a long time, and really, yoga was an invitation back into my body, and into feeling. And it was as though it was sort of thawing the ice within me, but that didn't happen overnight. It took, you know, it took some time and it was a real journey of kind of piecing myself back together. And it was so powerful for me that I then trained as a yoga teacher um, and then as a mindfulness and self-compassion teacher. And I would teach yoga classes. And for me, it was always about not so much the poses, but really taking that moment and connecting with yourself. And people would come afterwards after the class and, you know, share what they were going through and ask me for advice. And I felt completely inequipped to be advising anyone on, on anything. And so I decided to train as a coach. And I started um, training in, I suppose, more standard modalities like NLP and transactional analysis. And then as we met, you know, embodiment, somatics, a nervous system, sort of trauma-informed approaches. and and. I think I've found my place in the somatics and embodiment um, realm because really to me that's opened up so much you know the returning to my body has been everything and as as we both know you know we are suffering as, as a society so much in part because we are disconnected from our body. And to me, if we disconnected from our body, we disconnected from our feelings, we might, you know, again, I didn't experience joy or, or, you know, I was just like a flat line emotionally. We disconnected from, you know, our feeling and sensations, but we also disconnected from each other and we disconnected from our environment. And it's such um, a tragic, I think, way to live when all of this is available to us. Um, so that's how I came to this work. And I'm I'm just really passionate about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I I love that. I love that. And this is what I love about you. You know, it comes through it's the the wisdom of your experience of going through something that was very difficult, you know, hitting burnout, living that disconnected life and then paying the price, which was your burnout mm. and then further kind of disconnection and then healing journey, and the learning journey, and the growth, and I, you know, whenever I speak with you, it always shows, like I, you know, I know that you've gone through it, I know that Mm. you're not just saying those words, but they are embodied within you, that you are walking that talk, that you understand um, what happened to you, and what, you know, what the healing took place as well and something that you said in here about the language like you know now because of your training because of your learning because of your own practices and growth you know the learning you know the language you you understand what happened to you but at the time you didn't you just hmm. knew that you felt in a certain kind of way and you understood you know on a visceral level on every level of your experience that being on that yoga mat and doing those practices gave you that window of connection of being at ease and I love the words that you used you know that it was okay to be you that's such powerful stuff Mm. just hearing that it really kind of like wow (laughs) this is so big and I'm sure this is, you know, from my experience of working with other women and my own experience, I know that so many of us experience that and go through that. And really yeah. many of us struggle alone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and had I not, you know, maybe had a yoga practice or come to mindfulness and then embody, you know, maybe I would still be struggling alone. I think you're right. It's it's really the sense of it's not okay to be me or I'm not enough on some level, you know, we, we, so many of us have that narrative on some level that, I mean, for years and years, I lived with the narrative of, I am so flawed that there's no way I can be fixed. And of course, that language means that we go into that, that, that quest to fixing ourselves, because if, if something's wrong with us, if we're not enough, if, you know, we're failing on some level, and Bernard's Often we, you know, we look and we think everybody else is is doing fine. I'm failing. This is a failure of my own. So do I need more evidence that I'm flawed again? um, I think so many of us go through life with that narrative of there's something wrong with me. And it is, again, it's so heavy to carry that. And actually, again, the world of somatics and embodiment have really taught me to, appreciate that there may be a part of us that's feeling really lost that's feeling really confused that's feeling like it's not enough and there's so much more, you know, there are other parts of us that that know that have wisdom that are enough, and I think if we can sort of really. um, Embrace the richness of who we are and see beyond that narrative, then so many doors open Um, and the most important being just feeling whole and at home within ourselves and learning to integrate these parts of us that we've kind of pushed away because you know again if I have a narrative of I'm flawed or I'm bad I'm going to be doing all I can to sort of conceal that from the world and that will mean I need to hide the parts of me that don't seem to be perfect or are unsavory for human consumption. Um, so, yes, just, you know, from that separation and disintegration, it's really a journey of embracing, I think. Mm-hmm. And when we can embrace those parts of us that we've disowned, it's, um, yeah, it's, 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 it, it shifts everything. You know, it, it shifts the, the sense of wholeness that we experience. And therefore, we no longer at the mercy of everything around us to validate that we are, in fact, not broken and that we hold. Um, I
0: love that what you just said. It's
1: such a different
0: perspective, isn't it? Coming from an acting and uh, making choices from that place of I'm not good enough. And Mm -hmm. being in that survival mode and, um, you know, concealing all of this and pretending and maybe making choices about our health and well-being and relationship and work from that space as opposed to that space of wholeness. And actually, you know, embracing who we are Uh, really, you know, for me, when when I hear you say that, there is something about being human. and not just human but also being a woman (laughs) within within the society that we live in right now and understanding you know when you start unpicking it it's like we talk about gabor matter talks really nicely about the myth of normal Mm. and then but we can go even deeper isn't it i mean you know, in the context of that embodied feminine leadership and um, embodied feminine itself, once you start unpicking it and looking, well, I am a woman and I live in this society and, you know, the roles that I have to play as a woman, the the kind of expectations of me uh, from everybody around me and the society, the messages, you know, before we started this call, we were talking about the social media, you know, the impact of this, you mentioned also, you know, it seem, it might seem like everybody's doing really great. Look at all those amazing pictures and photos and on social media, they all smiling. They're all in great places. They're all having amazingly healthy meals yeah. <laughs> and drinks. And here is me and I am struggling and I feel alone and I feel disconnected and I feel not good enough. Yeah. Um, and it can give perception of, yeah like what you said that i'm the only one who's struggling everybody else has got it sorted out yeah you know they worked it out exactly what they needed to do and and here i am alone yeah. and not good enough and so yeah. i so i wanted to kind of ask a little bit about this embodied feminine leadership you know is yeah. it all this kind of I'm embodied feminine and all these lovely pictures, and love and light, and you know, (laughs) or is it maybe something
1: else? Well, maybe it can be that, but I think it's a much, much deeper piece, and to me, it's really um, a journey to reclaim, um, you know, ourselves, our bodies, um, our a, a connection with the body, a somatic intelligence, and reconnect with that sense of inner sovereignty. Like I, you know, cultivating that self energy of knowing that, yes, there may be parts of me who feel a certain way. And there's also a part of me that can be in self-leadership and in self-sovereignty here. So that we reclaim the sense of um, authorship over our life, over our impact, and the imprint that we want to leave li- to in the world. But it starts with creating that really stable inner foundation uh, where our nervous system returns back to a state of homeostasis, where we are finding inner safety in ourselves um, and where we can then, once we find that sense of stability and um, leadership within ourselves, we can almost radiate uh, a different way of being in the world because my perspective is that you know leadership isn't confined to the corporate headquarters and the organizations and and it's also not something where we step in leadership when we're at work and then we step out of leadership when we're at home it's very much to me a quality of being and embodied feminine leadership is about cultivating this certain quality of being that starts with nervous system regulation being present in our body being authentic and and leading as a way of being. So really our way of being is a way of leading. And I talk about embodied feminine leadership, but with a very broad view of leadership, you know, we are all leaders because we touch everybody we meet in some ways um, every day. And we've talked about the dandelion before, you know, as you touch that person, you just can't know how far that ripple will go. I think we've all had moments where we felt like we had a bad day and maybe we go and get a coffee at the coffee shop and that person is extra kind. Like I've definitely had that experience where they could tell that I was having a bad day and they said, it's on us today. And you think that gesture of kindness that there is everything, to me, that's leadership, you know, it's really about who we are choosing to be, and being in the world um, as a way of leading, but from a place of being rooted in our own wholeness, in our intrinsic self-worth, in our nervous system capacity, so that we can hold other people. Um, and teachers are leaders because you know they they impart knowledge onto children that will maybe serve them for years to come mothers are leaders and fathers you know raising children yoga teachers standing in view I know firsthand if I hadn't received the leadership from that yoga teacher I don't know where I'd be Um, and people working in communities to raise funds for those who are less fortunate or to even come together in celebration so again when i talk about embodied feminine leadership to me it's um it's a personal journey um it's a doorway and an invitation that we presented with at some point in our life and it's a movement because as we are embracing that way of being we you know we become part of a network of co-regulated nervous system um and of women who are choosing to have Um, to to step fully into who they are and therefore have a completely different impact in the world does does it make sense
0: yeah completely I love it you speak my language completely (laughs) yeah I love speaking with you and and yes we did talk about that dandelion effect in the past and and you know as you just said we never know how we're gonna impact somebody and that kind of uh, domino effect of you know how we are um engaging how we are in this process and this dance of co-regulation or dysregulation and everything that we say will have impact because we can't separate individual from the environment and we are part of each other's environment really and you know you're talking about that word leadership you know do you Mm -hmm. consider yourself a leader And, you know, when I ask that in the, in my training certifications, people normally say no, (laughs) or women, you know, and men normally say no, even though they are practitioners already, even though they are teachers, uh, you know, coaches or yoga teachers or wellness practitioners, even though they are very clearly seen by the communities within their work and their clients as leaders yet there is still this resistance of, I don't want to call myself a leader. And it's such a, it comes with so many different connotations and expectations. And I guess for me, if I think about this, when I went through that process of really embracing uh, the responsibility and accountability of, you know, leadership and, and embracing it fully, for me the the thing that was coming up the most there is i had the most resistance towards it because of the examples that we see within our governments within positions of power of how people behave who are called leaders um and for all of us to watch and really feeling quite um I guess, despondent to some level of not being able to change it or impact it, but really witnessing it all. And I I think that's the challenge, isn't it, with that word? Yeah, Yeah, I think you've
1: you've hit the nail on the head, I think, again, from my experience of working with women um, and being in, you know, more traditional leadership um, in in the workplace. There's a real paradox, um, because on the one hand, women may want to be leaders and to embrace that sense of creating an impact. And they don't identify with what's been called leadership up until this point. They don't want to be a part of that. They don't want to pay the price that comes with embracing leadership in that way, which often means, you know, a very... um, yeah, more of a maybe ego-driven type of leadership, um, quite harsh, forward-pushing, going, going, going at all costs, um, you know, uh, hyper-productive, uh, because often the sacrifices, you know, what I shared before, we end up burning out, uh, losing parts of ourselves, and that's not a price that's worth paying. And I think, again, when I talk about this work being a movement, I really believe that you know it's an opportunity to redefine what leadership is and to redefine a different way of of leading and I think again when we look at some um, research, we know even in the workplace that the kind of leadership that women have exhibited through the pandemic, for example, which is much more compassionate and human and um, you know taking care of people leads to better outcomes and so, we know that the world needs more of that and i think it's just being willing and brave enough to redefine what leadership means for us and create our own um our own experience of leadership um our own expression of leadership that that we can identify with but it takes bravery and that's why you know sometimes well often being held in community is really important like I find I need to be in community with other women because it reminds me of that gentler and yet very powerful way of being and it helps me to marinate in that way to sort of counterbalance what we're seeing in the world Um, so yeah it takes bravery because it's a it's tapping into really what feels true to you and bringing that outwardly and meeting our growth edge, because it's it's going to be uncomfortable, um, you know, you talked about the, the, the sort of experience of being raised in a woman's body and women's narratives earlier. And ultimately, I think we end up with a narrative that says it isn't safe to be fully who I am, and if it isn't safe to be fully who I am and what i'm seeing leadership to be is this version of leadership that i don't identify with i'm going to have to come out not only come out of my of myself and you know be more fully me but come out and step more boldly into myself by becoming a leader and that's that's scary and that's why the nervous system work is really important and the embodiment work is really important because we can't ever um, grow faster than our nervous system's capacity to embrace our vision um so yeah it takes and that's also why we talked about this before we need to start at the level of our nervous system when we begin this journey into you know embodied feminine leadership or or any journey really because if we jump to let's say somebody is in the workplace and they want to be promoted, but they, all sorts of things are coming up, going straight to, well, okay, let's look at strategies for you to be more visible isn't going to work because the nervous system capacity isn't there. Or as an entrepreneur or, or you know, a practitioner, again, just taking that step to be more visible on social media, it, we, you know, we're just going to pull ourselves back all the time. And I've been there myself. So, You know, that nervous system capacity and really being anchored in ourselves is the number one priority. And from there, we can um, create that new flavor of leadership. And, And it takes time for that also to percolate, I think, for us to recognize what that flavor is. You know, it takes time and experimentation and yeah
0: yeah time plays a big part in all of this isn't it it's like with the embodiment with nervous system regulation with healing with post-traumatic growth there isn't a shortcut there isn't a one you know do a swoosh
1: no (laughs) method and
0: it's done and it's fixed and it's released and you know we can we can say so many things and use the language in that way but the reality of it is that if you want to become embodied and more more within the nervous system regulation and stability and presence it really takes time doesn't it it's like baby steps work um and i yeah. think it's it's really the same with leadership isn't it it's like sometimes when people step up too quickly into those roles or they they haven't done the inner work themselves they do not have that capacity to hold it uh, and to become who they need to become in order for it to work uh, yes. in a way that it needs to
1: work yeah that's a really important point because I think, you know, again, as we move from healing to self-leadership to leadership, you know, we need to develop that capacity to first of all be um, be within ourselves and rooted in, but also be in resonance with someone else, and that's a skill. Um, and, and obviously we also need to elevate our self-concept and self-actualize to meet who we need to be to embrace that role and i've seen it so many times you know somebody who's a great individual contributor within an organization but the moment they have stepped into that leadership role everything collapses because they haven't that you know they haven't given them time to sort of do the identity work to really be become that that leader and that's it it takes time but Going back to what you were saying right at the start, you know, saying that you've experienced it and you've really lived through this, I think the only way to to become is by being and becoming. Do you know what I mean? We can't become without becoming. It's a bit like saying, "I want big muscles tomorrow." Yeah. <laughs> That's great, but then even if we did have those big muscles tomorrow. We haven't done the inner work in this case, you're know, our inner muscles, to be able to maintain that. It's a continuous growth process. And um, I think the the gems and the growth is in the becoming. Yeah. It's not in the having become. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um
0: Yeah, and as human beings, you know, there is that life forward movement. There is yeah. always, we are always in the process of becoming, unless. Obviously, we go into the freeze and, you know, those states when we are in complete survival, um, which is OK. All the states are important. And sometimes, you know, we need to do that in order to survive. But to live in that kind of space, in that state um, can be very painful long term.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah. I was wondering. Uh, you know, Isabel, so what would be if somebody is listening and, um, you know, wants to follow in your footsteps Mm. and to do the kind of work that you are doing, um, what would be your piece, one piece of advice to them?
1: Um, Well, I think there's... um the first piece would be the becoming you know I, I think we can't do this work without as in we can't do this work as a practitioner without without doing this inner work ourselves um and i think i really believe in this idea of doorways so for me burnout was a doorway into this work and i think we all presented with doorways quite regularly um but sometimes we're just not receptive to that doorway and a doorway can be an illness so it can be a deep yearning that we can't quite articulate. It can be um, a separation from a partner or a challenging event in our life. And I think if you have any kind of glimmer of a doorway, my first advice would be crack the door open. Don't let the doorway go closed again because this could be the first day of the rest of your life. And really these doorways are, in some ways, I think our body often nudging us towards doing something differently so I would say you know if you are presented with a doorway crack the door open and give yourself time to explore what that could be like and that leads me to maybe my second advice which would be give yourself time to sit with yourself and excuse me that could be in meditation that could be in walking that could be in movement you know again for me at the time it was yoga And to really give yourself time to feel into what you are desiring, where you are and what that yearning is, because it's somewhere within you and only you know what what it is. Um, And so just doing it with patience, you know, holding the space between being and becoming and then not knowing for a while. Um, But I think that's the first piece. If you want to be doing this work, there's something nudging you becoming curious about that thing and sitting with it and really understanding what's driving you forward because because that's the fuel that that drives us ultimately so that's what I would say and then maybe do the trainings and then maybe make decisions but first sit with the yearning because I think if we if we don't sit with the yearnings and we go back to you know thinking and analyzing and reflecting oh you know my path I should take these three steps we're going to be taking the wrong path most likely because we're going to be optimizing for what feels logical but not necessarily for what what we deeply yearn for so sit with the yearning
0: yeah I love that what came up for me it's like it's such a more embodied and feminine approach rather than oh let's do pros and cons write it all out and kind of oh what would be the most you know uh accepted step next step and it's it's this kind of tuning in to your inner wisdom really seeing because ultimately I mean it always comes back for me it's like ultimately you only got one life the time passes really quickly you no, know, I I just turned 50 <laughs> a yeah. few weeks back. It's like how did that happen? It's you know.
1: Yeah. I just agree. a
0: while ago I was 18 year old girl in London and now suddenly I'm 50. I'm here, you know, my my body is changing, my life is different. All of those different things. So when we kind of look at that you know it's it's within the context of everything that is happening you know something for me what comes up is the sacredness of life the sacredness of um me being who I am and you being who you are and how we can embrace it how we can cherish it how we can celebrate it and how we can step into what you were just talking about that calling there's something that is greater than ourselves something that really will guide us if we allow it to guide us if we open to that
1: yeah beautifully said (laughs) and i lost my voice
0: oh oh thank you isabel it's always Mm -hmm. such a pleasure and um you know i just wanted also to say you know if if anybody is interested in this kind of work I have a real pleasure of mm. collaborating with Isabel um, in the in the big training that I'm doing, and Isabel also is doing lots of trainings herself and set up a school of embodied feminine
1: leadership, thematic <laughs> leadership <laughs> for women. Close. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I'm <laughs> so, really looking forward to our collaboration. Mm,
0: yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. I, mm. I think it's it's what you just said earlier. What I really want to celebrate is this women coming together and really creating those environments where we hold for each other permission. because at so you know, at the beginning we can't hold permission for ourselves, and we need other women to hold that space for us, to give us permission to acknowledge how we fully feel the challenges, um, also the opportunities, and really to step up into who we can become in various different, you know, you were talking about different kind of areas of our lives, you know, the work and the corporate and the relationships and the personal life and, you know, with our children, with our partners, with our parents, there is so much richness in here. So Isabel, before thank you so much. (laughs) But before we finish, Mm -hmm. I'd love you to just share where people can find um more about your work if they wanted to reach out and and do some work with you or follow you where can they find you
1: yeah i think the best place apologies my voice is just i have something stuck in my throat um the best place is the school of somatic leadership for women.com um to find more about my work and then you can also find me on linkedin if you are on LinkedIn. my handle is Isabel Wies W I E S and then Griffith with no S at the end. Um, but yes, yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been, a, as usual, a really rich and um, and insightful conversation, and I'm always grateful for the time that we spend together. Thank you, uh, Aneta. Thank you
0: so much, Isabel, and I'm really looking forward to collaborating more and growing more and seeing you know and creating that movement i love that words that movement um to really make the world um a more accessible and safer place yeah. yes thank, absolutely
1: thank you thank you Anita. thank you isabel
0: thank you for joining me for today's podcast episode I really hope you enjoyed it. If you are interested in our training certifications at Golden Mandala Yoga Soma Institute, I invite you to visit our website, www.anettai.co.uk, where you can find all the information about our training certifications, uh, Trauma-Informed Somatic Teacher and Coach for Women and Trauma-Informed Yoga Teacher, as well as Thriving Business Mandala coaching program. I look forward to connecting with you more. (music)